Hello, everyone, and welcome to our virtual celebration, January 3rd, 2021. New month, new year, new theme. You know, New Year's is kind of an arbitrary day. Um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, how many New Year's are there really? There are New Year's that begin in the fall. There are New Year's that begin in the spring. There's New Year's that begin at the solstices. You know, there's there's lots of different ones. And and I what, I, what I'm coming to is this, is when you're ready to begin your year, that's your personal New Year. But for us here at the Hilltop Center, we sort of follow a monthly theme and we started in September, which is kind of a, a time that I look at for beginnings. And our yearly theme began with, we make the path by walking or traversing or traveling in one way or the other. And we follow that different kinds of things, the path to different aspects of our spiritual, emotional and social life. And so January is the path of the imagination. We walk the path of the imagination. It's one of my favorite words. My uh, teacher used to say that the imagination lays the tracks for the reality train to follow. You know, Miriam Webster defines the imagination as this, the act or power of forming a mental image of something not present to the senses or never before wholly perceived in reality. Think about that. Through the power of our mind, we are able to create something that the senses have not experienced or that has never been known or experienced before. You know, when the Hebrew poets say that we are made in the image of the divine, it is that imagination, that ability to image, to create, that really is the essence of our divinity. So, you know, that's kind of where we're, we're looking at this year is how we engage, how we develop, how we move the imagination. So I've been uh, reading this lovely little book by Pierre Teilhard de Chardin called On Happiness. And he makes this quote in the very beginning of the book. He says, like all other animate beings, humans, it is true, have an essential craving for happiness. In humanity, however, this fundamental demand assumes a new and complicated form. For we are not simply living beings with greater sensitivity and greater vibratory power than other living beings. By virtue of our harmonization, a word he invented, we have become reflective and critical living beings and our gift of reflection brings with it two other formidable properties. The power to perceive what may be possible and the power to foresee the future. So let's just sit with that for a moment. That by virtue of how our mind has developed, this incredible thing called the imagination, we are able to perceive what may be possible. And we're also able to perceive what may happen in the future. No other being has that that we're aware of. That's remarkable. And then he goes on to say this, Perception of the possible and awareness of the future 
when these two combine, they are not only open for us an inexhaustible store of hopes and fears, but they also allow those hopes and fears to range far afield in every direction. Which means it's not limited to go into one direction that we can create and we can run far afield in any direction that we so choose. Sadly, sometimes we choose to go into the weeds. Sometimes we go far afield in the wrong direction. And then we've got to kind of reel ourselves back in. And um, um, I want to talk about the imagination from this idea of perhaps going far afield and, and how we return by circling in into a, a pivotal story that takes place in, in the history of Israel. And it's the destruction of the temple in 587. So this for the ancient Israelites literally turned their world upside down. Imagine if you could that you were being marched by a foreign power, the Babylonians, and you are being marched into exile. And as you are looking behind and seeing the ruin of Jerusalem, you see the temple, the holy place, the very center of your spiritual and cultural life in flames and destroyed. Like I said, the world was, was turned upside down it was the end of the Davidic dynasty. Jerusalem was destroyed. People were taken into exile. And for the ancient Israelites, it was as if the world that they had known had ended. Ended. And many were not only homeless, they were now in exile in a foreign land in the land of, of Babylon. There are three prophets that, that come out of this time. Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. And, and they begin to address to the people a way of, of adjusting to this, this new way and also looking at a direction in which there wasn't just simply going to be survival, but opportunities to thrive. And you know, um, what they did is they, they took the historic event of the destruction of the temple and made it into a theological event. They created a metaphor about the destruction of the temple and going into exile as part of the journey of the soul, as part of something that happens within us. Now, of course, it happened at a historic level, and of course, it made a, a forever impact on Israel. But have you not felt, and probably the past year, that the world that you knew came to an end or was turned upside down? And, and haven't you at times felt like an exile, far from home, not able to connect or return? And so it's a, it's a deeply profound and human condition. And, 
And for these prophets, what they came up with is a way of, of dealing with this experience. And it has to do with this, relinquish and receive. Now, I want to say, as I often do, that, you know, if you have an aversion to the Hebrew texts or the Bhagavad Gita or the Christian Bible or uh, the, the Quran or any sacred texts, if you, if you have an argument with them, that's good. That's really good because we should wrestle with these texts. We just certainly take them at face value or just simply passively read them but we should struggle with them, engage with them, and, and, and ask ourselves, why did these ancient writers feel it was important to tell these stories? And, and how can these stories, metaphorically, metaphysically speaking, be relevant to the situations that I'm in or that we can be in today? And, and just like everything you know when when we're confronted with a crisis whether it be personally or as a nation right now you know there, there's going to be resistance to that prophetic voice that says it's time to let go and it's time to receive something new and so then as now, you know, the leaders, the establishment, the church leaders, the religious leaders, the academy, the political and social leaders, they, they confronted these prophets with tremendous resistance, with denial and self-deception and wishful thinking. And then again, what I would ask each and every one of us is, is when we are confronted with change, when our world seems to go upside down, do we respond with denial? It's not happening, it didn't happen. Or self-deception or wishful thinking that gives to magical thinking? The prophets were very succinct about what was happening. And, and part of it was to accept what is and not pretend it wasn't happening and not pretend that something was going to come and rescue them, but that something needed to be let go in order for something else to happen. For the prophets, part of renewal is grief because when our world changes, there's suffering. There's a loss. There's an experience of exile. But it's in this soil that newness can come. So, you know, we start today then, this, this new year. And, um, you know, let me just ask this. Do you, do you feel that your world's been turned upside down? In many ways, I know mine has. I know that the life of the Hilltop Center completely turned upside down. And there's been grief. There's been sadness. There's been loss. I miss seeing some of you terribly, terribly. The, I, I love my family. I love my home. 
but I miss the opportunity to see other people, to socialize, to see plays, to engage, you know, those kinds of things. Um, there's been worry, how will we make it? Who will we be? How will we become? You know, it's it's been unsettling to say the least. And um, here's the thing that I wanna ask. Are you interested in creating a new imagination? Are you interested in relinquishing something so that something new can come forward? Are you interested in receiving what is new, what is novel, what has, as the imagination says, perhaps has never been experienced before? You know, the thing about these prophets is they kind of gave a hint. They kind of gave a formula. And in Isaiah chapter 43, there's this beautiful line. I think that this line in the Hebrew Bible is a, is a hinge. It's a fulcrum on which the whole scripture hangs. And in it, Isaiah is speaking for the divine and he says this, do not remember the former things. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. And I think what he means is do not remember the former things is, is not that we shouldn't grieve it. We should let it go. What I think he means is do not remember. Do not live in the former thing. Do not be obsessed. Do not long for the former thing, but let it go. And then here's the kicker. For behold, I am doing a new thing. And, and again, let's just sit with this. Let our imagination sort of go off leash. For you this year, what would be a new thing? What would be a novel thing? What would be something that has never existed for you before? Can you sit with what that would look like? And oh, by the way, it's not gonna necessarily come on your terms. It's gonna come on God's terms. And so it's about how we connect to this divine energy in us that's wanting to find expression. You know, one of my new thought heroes is a man by the name of Neville Goddard. He goes by the term Neville. And you can go on YouTube or, you know, whatever search engine. The, the beauty of Neville's work, he was this wonderful, and I'll speak more about him this month, but he was this wonderful, very interesting, mystical character. And, um, you know, all of his stuff is in the public domain. So all of his stuff is accessible to each and every one of us. It was amazing that he did this. But one of the things that he writes in his book, uh, Infinite Potential, is this. He says, um, if you are dissatisfied with your present expression in life, the only way to change it is to take your attention away from that which seems real to you and rise in consciousness to that which you desire to be. You cannot serve two masters. Therefore, to take your attention from the state of consciousness and play it upon another 
is to die to one and to live to the other, to relinquish one and receive the other. And so as we begin this new year, we begin with the invitation of relinquishing, of letting go, of feeling a sense of completion. As we begin this incredibly, not only this year, you know, just imagine if you would, if you could let this happen, where you would be in six months. And what conversation would you be having next year about where you directed your attention today? And over the next couple months, as we begin to work in this thing, what will the next 20 years begin to look like? And I want to offer you a tool that, that Neville used. And um, it's kind of a three-step process. And I got to tell you, it works. You have nothing to lose by not trying it. There's nothing you need to pay. There's nothing that you need to buy. You can do this in the privacy of your own home, in your office, in your bed, anywhere. All it asks is this. What are you willing to relinquish? And what are you willing to receive? So think for a moment. What is your imagination wanting to express and to explore? What image can you create? You know, the imagination is such a powerful tool. Because I can ask you right now, you know, think of something blue. And you got it, right? I can say, how many windows are in your bedroom? You, you can got that, right? You, you know, what does a lemon taste like? You, you have that. So we already know our imagination works. So we're just going to be directing it and tuning it. And what Neville says is, is the power of where this goes, because you didn't have to think about these things. They just sort of rose up out of the subjective. So what he says is we want to we work at the level of the, of the subjective. You know, this is what Dr. Holmes talks about, too. He talks about this idea of, you know, of impressing upon the subjective mind an ideal that it receives and works upon. And so for Neville, that meant placing ourselves in a, in a hypnogotic state. That's a big word. But basically what it means is in a very relaxed, dreamy state. You know, we're not consciously thinking about this and consciously thinking about that. In fact, what we're really doing is we're letting our objective mind become undefended so that our subjective mind is present and open to reception. And then we, when we do this, we think about the thing that we desire, that echo in our soul for the good that is longing to find expression in us. And then what he says is we begin to use our imagination in such a way that we create the event of having this desire fulfilled. So maybe what that looks like is seeing yourself being congratulated for accomplishing something. Perhaps it's, it's typing the last sentence of the book that you've wanted to write. 
or maybe it's putting the last piece of, of uh, decoration on an art piece, or maybe what the office looks like when you put that last thing into place. But you get what I'm saying, right? Is you wanna have a visceral experience. And it's not just something that you see in the imagination, but that you feel in your body, that you smell, that you taste, so that you are literally in the experience of the fulfillment of your desire. And when that happens, it is impressed on the subjective mind. And I think that this is where the work of Neville meets quantum physics. Because as I've said before, what we are doing is we are taking a possibility and we are allowing our subjective being to experience that possibility. And then we are taking it and projecting it into a future where our subjective mind builds a bridge through encounters and resources and developments that, that we, without even having to consciously choose, we begin making choices and decisions and moving far afield into the direction of the desire that we have and so that it becomes real for us. So that's what we're going to play this month. You know, by the way, I'm not going to only talk about the Hebrew Bible. I've kind of gotten back into the Bhagavad Gita. So you're going to probably hear some things from that. I love sacred writings. I do. I, I, I'm inspired by them. And as I've said before, you know, there's a congruency with our experience of the natural world and the wisdom teachers of old and how they resonate to our intuition. And so it's how we connect those three and develop a skill, a practice to realize our fullest potential. And that is our greatest gift to the world. And so our prayer, my prayer, our blessing is that there is a life that is present in all things and that it is luring you and luring me to our good. And that we have the power to create good for ourselves and good for all around us. It is the power of the imagination. And so it is not about remembering the past, but living in the possibility of behold, I am making a new thing.